Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I don't think I've ever seen a number one seed in the NBA playoffs that has been disrespected or flat out ignored more than the Miami Heat. Like ever. All hyperbole aside, I don't know that I've ever seen a number one seed get so disrespected. Number one seed in the East, top seed left in the entire thing, and they're not even favored to get out of the series. Home court, top seed, and they're not favored to get out of it. All anybody wants to talk about is Luka, the Warriors. The fact that Boston beat Milwaukee in the de facto or real Eastern Conference Finals. Like, you can overlook the Heat. You can hate the Heat. You can hate their fans. We all know their fans have given you plenty of reasons to hate them over the years. I get that. I mean, you have the good job, good effort, kid. There's Phil Mina Tobias flipping off Joe Noah, having an internet psychic, and allegedly murdering her husband. Allegedly. I could see where you might hate her or them because of her. There's the it wasn't our year dopes who left the finals game early only for the Heat to come back and win, and then they tried to get back into the building only to find out they were locked out and their ticket was no longer good. It wasn't our year. It's okay, they tried. It's our year. It wasn't our year. It wasn't our year. Let us back in. It wasn't our year. We still have our tickets. I mean, like, you can hate all of that. You can hate them for all of that. You might even be right. Just like you'd be right to hate the not one, not two, not three bullcrap. Because that was some of the cheesiest, debaggiest stuff ever. Right along with the GM murdering the Space Jam franchise. Hell, if you want to hate anything, hate that. In fact, start with that. Yes, you can hate the, hate the Dos Minuto shout. can hate the heat all you want. Have I made that clear? You can. But know this. The heat don't give a damn. The heat don't give a damn. The heat don't give a crap. They're just going to keep on being the heat. You want to say that they've got too many guys that you don't know? That's on you, not them. You want to say they don't have a single superstar? Yo, one, you're an idiot if you say that. Two, they still don't give a damn. And for the record, they do have a superstar. His name is Jimmy Butler III. That's his name. As he famously said back in the day, my name isn't James. It's literally Jimmy. And literally Jimmy was literally a superstar again last night. As he is pretty much every single night in the postseason. 41 points. Nine boards, five assists, four steals, three blocks, and even those numbers don't feel like they sum up the impact he had on that game. Again, like you want to say that Jason Tatum is an emerging superstar. I don't disagree with that. He is. But at this point, saying that Jimmy Butler is not a superstar is a literal reason to go. Add that to our universal list of reasons to go. Somebody spits in your face, you let your hands go. Somebody insults your race or religion, you go. Somebody insults or threatens your loved ones, you go. Someone says Jimmy Butler is not a superstar, you go. I think that literally would hold up in a court of law. Yeah, that guy's got a broken face. Your Honor, that guy said to me that Jimmy Butler was not a superstar, so I broke his face. Oh, all right. Case dismissed. You know, by the way, put me on that jury. That's the jury. That's the case I want. Put me on that jury. That's how dominant this guy is, generally. And then so much more so. The bigger the stage, the hotter the lights, the better this guy is. How's this for data? That was his fifth 40-point playoff game for the Heat. He had zero 40-point regular season games for the Heat, but five in the postseason. In other words, when you need a superstar to be a superstar, he's a superstar. 
But so how do you explain that? A couple of ways. Let me give you the philosophical description of what Butler did. Better yet, Erica or Eric. Uh-oh! Eric Spolstra. <laughs> Eric Spolstra got very philosophical in his description of how Butler did and what he did. If you're driven by competition, you know, and the, the stakes get raised, uh, you're going to raise your, your level of play. And this level is a high level, this competition. And he senses it, and he, he knows it, he feels it, and he was able to produce and put us in, in a position, you know, to feel comfortable to be able to win this game tonight. All right, so there is a very philosophical description of what Jimmy Butler is all about. Now, if you want a Jimmy Butler description of what Jimmy Butler is all about, Jimmy Butler has got you. I want to run into people and see who falls down first, um, who's going to quit first. I think that's a style of basketball I like to play. Now we're talking. All right, that's Jimmy Butler. That's the Heat way. The Butler way, the Heat way, the Heat culture. Run into people and see who falls down first. I mean, find me a better match between player and team than Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Let me say that one more time. Find me a better match between player and team than Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. You can't. You can't. They don't care about you. They only care about two things. Playing defense and being the toughest dudes on the floor. Oh, and running into you and knocking your ass on the ground. It's exactly what they did last night in the second half against Boston. Because the Celtics, even without Marcus Smart and Al Horford, were actually having their way in the first half last night. They were getting to the bucket. They were getting to the rack with ease. 42 points in the paint in the first half. And the Miami Heat basically said, bleep that. Bleep that. They knew that they could not afford to lose last night. There's no way you lose to Boston in Miami. When you're rested and they're coming off a tough series and they're missing two key starters. No way in hell you let that happen. No way they lose that game. And so they didn't. Jimmy Butler started to run into people and then people started to fall down. And then he got on top and he started stomping on their heads. Meanwhile, on the other end of the floor, they just choked the Celtics the hell out defensively. Choked them out. The ball, 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 ball. Those 42 points in the paint in the first half became six in the entire second half. This is how the Heat respond to pressure. They respond to pressure by applying even more pressure. You punch them in the mouth, they headbutt you. Remember when Butler and Spo got into it during a game? Remember that. Remember when they had to be held back from each other? The time when Spo shouted, quote, I always knew you were crazy at Butler. Remember that? And remember when everybody said, see, see, Butler is out of his mind. This dude runs way too hot. No one can handle this cat's smoke. Remember that whole thing? If you thought that, you don't know the Miami Heat. Wrong. Wrong. That was not them fighting. That was them communicating. I mean, yes, it was stressful. Yes, things could have spiraled after that, but they didn't. They have the best record in the NBA since that incident, and I know that's not a coincidence. The only thing better than Jimmy Butler's performance was Tyler Hero's postgame look. Pretty amazing. Dude rolls in and turns Bam Adebayo's press conference into a gun show. Good Lord. Bam. Yeah. Are you crazy, bro? I love that. And I love that the first question for Tyler started with, Tyler, this is for you. And both your arms. Tyler, this is for you and both of your arms. Um, in the first- it's actually pretty funny. Pretty funny. In fact, I'd go as far as to say is that was the best Miami presser moment since Bobby Ramos bottom line the hell out of everybody 
back in the day. Bobby Ramos, bottom line. Hero showing up there looking like an extra from Demolition Man was pretty awesome. And it essentially sums up the heat and who they are. They don't give a damn. They just don't. They don't give a bleep about you. They only care about them. They will run into you until you fall down and then flex on everybody with their sleeveless numbers. Damn good team. Damn good team. Damn good coach. Jimmy Buckets is a damn good superstar, and they deserve your damn respect. Bucks Celtics was great, but it was not the Eastern Conference Finals. The Eastern Conference Finals actually did start last night, and it started with a Miami Heat win, whether you, Vegas, the media, or anybody else likes it or not. They just don't give a damn, which is why I do like them so much and respect them. Oh, one more thing. When you do talk to Jimmy, do not tell him that his team is, quote, coalescing at the right time the team obviously you've won 10 of 11 so the standings tell us one thing but does it feel like you're coalescing as much as the record shows into something i mean 10 of 11 pretty special don't do that come on now what the hell does that mean oh coalescing. Uh, that means coming together congealing gelling you could have just said that so good so so good man do not do not step to this guy with your big words. Hey, man, this is pretty special. You guys have won 10 of 11. I mean, you're you're coalescing, right? Wait, wait what? Don't do that. Don't do Come that. What the drop hell that, that C-bomb on me. Don't do that. This team is peaking. And after you're done watching the Tyler Gun Show, remember the inspirational words from one Mark Jackson, and I quote, a hero is more than a sandwich. A hero is more than a sandwich. Hey, Mark, man, don't do that. Don't, don't do, that. do that. Don't do that. A hero is more than a sandwich? A hero is more than a sandwich. We should do a 30-30 on that line alone. Well, where did that come from? Did that just come flying out his pie hole? Did he have that locked and loaded? Did somebody write that for him? Did he come up with that himself? A hero is more than a sandwich? A hero is more than a sandwich. Don't do that. No, don't I mean, do don't that. do that. That line alone should get him the Laker job. Would that not be the most Laker thing ever? I meant to get to it yesterday, and I might still get to it today, but spoiler alert, but because it's a little bit older in terms of the news cycle, apparently the Laker brass, while interviewing potential candidates, is asking the question, how would you use Westbrook? Which tells me two things. One, they can't move Westbrook. They're stuck with him for another year. Number two, they're not going to get a coach who matters because there is no good answer to that question. But I guarantee it. Mark Jackson, if they were to hit him with that, hey, by the way, Mark, what would you do? How would you use Westbrook along with AD and the GM? His response probably would be, wait, can you repeat the question? Yeah, how would you use Westbrook? A hero is more than a sandwich. A hero You're hired. is more than a sandwich. Oh! By the way, that is the best answer to that question. How many of you know working out day? A hero is more than a sandwich. A My man said that. Look, there, there's tape of that. He actually said Don't that. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. There was this whole expose that came out about some things that really, really strange things involving Mark Jackson that went on in his final days as coach of the Golden State Warriors. Nothing more bizarre than saying a hero is more than a sandwich. Is more than a sandwich. So quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. 
Now, I, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Jamal Mosley is my guest. Jamal, it is so good to have you on. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I bet, dude. I bet. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm great. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. So take me through this. The original plan was for team president of basketball ops, Jeff Weltman, to be the one rep on the stage last night. But the story goes, you woke up feeling pretty lucky, and the decision was made to put you on the stage instead. So exactly how would you describe how you felt in the morning and what led to that switch? Well, I had got I had just gotten done traveling, but that that weekend was just something that was special. It was, uh, and it's weird how it works out. Like uh, on Friday, it was one of our, clo- our one of our players' birthdays, I think Mo Bamba. Then the next day, it was uh, Jesse Mermis, one of our assistant coaches. It was his birthday, and then that Sunday, it was another one of our assistant coaches, Nate Tibbetts. It was his birthday, and then as well as my son. Cole Anthony, and another one of our assistant coaches' birthday. So I'm just thinking all these great things happen around this time. And then I had a best friend and a mentor. Um, his father his father passed away, but he was just a guy that celebrated sports, celebrated growth, celebrated relationships and building and community. So I just looked at that as went to that funeral on Monday. But it was just such a celebration of, of, of life that it just gave just that good feeling behind, you know, everything we were doing and what we're building in Orlando. Wow. I mean, that is really quite a story. Jamal Mosley is joining us. So I'm curious, what's it like when you're up there? For instance, when it comes down to the final four picks, and then you have the announcement that OKC is picking second, which meant that you had the first pick. What's that mm-hmm. moment like? Well, honestly, you know, you watch some of the past, you know, show you know some of the past drafts and you just watch and there's all these memes about reactions reactions so i'm just trying to just hold steady the entire time uh just keep smiling just just make sure you know looking at the camera not trying to go too far above and too ahead but when it's when it got down to that four that's when it was really hitting like we you know we there's some success that you know you got that 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 you're getting in that top three range um and then when they said okc it was just like it hit. It really hit. And then I just, you know, big smile came across. I looked at our president. I looked at our, you know, our, our ownership group. Some of the ownership group was there. And it was just something very special just because it, it just made it, you know, the realness of how important it and great it was for our fan base, for our organization, and just the group of guys that we already have, you know, that we already have in our locker room. See, this literally was going to be my next question, but the fact of the matter is there is so much work to be done between now and the draft itself, and there's an awesome responsibility that comes along with that awesome opportunity. But to that point, what does last night mean? Last night mean for the organization and the fan base? Well, you just you get to add another high-character, um, competitive, high-basketball IQ individual to an already tied-together group of young men. And when I say that, I mean that wholeheartedly. This is a group that loves each other on and off the court. They support each other. They want to be with each other. They're in the gym working. They're out doing things as a group together. Uh, So now you add another person of that character for this community and this organization. I really just do believe, like that's why I said, it's something special being built in Orlando. We're talking to Jamal Mosley. Help me with this. The perception is that there is a lot of talent, a lot of talent in the draft. For instance, when you personally look at this draft class, do you see generational talent? Do you see a potential franchise player or maybe even multiple franchise players? I think there's going to be that type of potential in this draft. I I mean, I look at last year's draft, and they've asked that question about each guy and how they've, you know, just kind of leveled up uh, as the years, as the year went on. And I think this class has some of that same same type of talent. 
um, where they're going to last for years and years throughout the NBA because there's there's a high level of basketball IQ and a care for the game. And again, the other side of it that I always say that you talk about with players now is just that love and joy of playing the game of basketball. And that's what they that some of these you know these players possess. All right, so we've got over a month until the draft itself. Like, what's the process for evaluating these players? Specifically, what will you and your staff be looking for? Well, you sit down and you just get to know them, get to talk to them, get to understand them, what you can learn about them, what they can learn about us. Uh, you bring them in, you get to get on the floor with them, uh, individual workouts, and just understanding and seeing, you know, how they're reading the game. Just getting to know them. I think that's the biggest thing. Like Jeff and 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 his. And staff do a great job of being able to, to to filter that out and figure it out and bringing them into the building to get to know our staff and and we get to know them that's the biggest thing you know if you're picking a a, a big time player and understanding getting to know them and how they fit what we're doing and how you know they fit up and we fit them Jamal Mosley is joining us for a few more moments. So in terms of fit, like I understand that you have the work to do. You can't tell me right now who you're going to take, obviously. But I'm looking right. at your roster, and I see a lot of length already. When you mm-hmm. consider the length you have, would that prevent you from taking somebody like a Chet Holmgren, or could you see him fitting into this group? I think you have to look at, like, length is throughout the NBA. I mean, you look at teams that have done it and will play that way because there's so much versatility. And I think with this class, there is so much versatility with each one of these guys. And I think that's what we've talked about. You talk about having a competitive edge. You talk about versatility. You talk about whether that may be length. But then there's the other side about that basketball IQ. And I don't think you can put enough playmakers on the, on the court. It's funny you say that because that's where I was going to go next, that whole notion of versatility. Like Jabari Smith, for instance, put up great numbers, great numbers at Auburn from last year. He's a really versatile defender, right? I mean, could you see him fitting in with what you already have because of the versatility that he brings to it? I mean, we talk about all of these guys from from that regard and being able to, you know, that's the the characteristics that you look for. And like you just mentioned, the, the, the versatility defensively, being able to knock down shots. But all of these guys possess these qualities. And so you can look at it and say, okay, here's what it is. And how is that? That's why this process is so great, because you can sit down and get with them and understand their feel for the game, our feel for the game, and how how does it uh, match. That's the biggest thing that we continue to look for within this entire process. Yeah, I appreciate your thoughts on both those guys. Let me ask you this. like, There's an extra level of pressure and expectation that comes along with the person who goes number one overall, right? There's something. It's different. It's different being number one as opposed to being number two. Does that right. also get factored into evaluating whether or not a player is going to fit and whether or not they can handle the pressure that comes along with being the number one pick overall? Well, you know, Jeff and I talk about that all, you know, all the time and understanding that, yes, there's going to be pressure, but we also want to understand that the way we are building this thing within in Orlando is that we wanted them to feel a part of this community as a part of this organization, part of our team, and understanding how we're building it with, with a great group of young core talent already. So the young talent is already going to be able that we have to, to lean, that they can lean in to what it's like to go through an 82-game season, understanding the ups and the downs and the ebbs and flows of the NBA. So I think that will help relieve some of the pressure with whomever we go with so they can understand they're with a group of young men that that they have been with and played with, whether that's been in a circuit or somebody that's been that pick, they understand that. And that's the great part of our locker room. And Jamal, it's an amazing thing, right? You've been coaching in the league for a long time, going back to your days as an unpaid intern with the Nuggets, but this was your first season as a head coach. What do you know about being a head coach right now that maybe you did not know before the start of the season? What did you learn learn along the way? What was your biggest takeaway this year? I think, honestly, just the high level of communication that you have to keep. Um, I've always understood that and and had seen it with all of the coaches that I've worked for and all of my mentors. But I just think sitting in that seat is just a different level of communication and uh, on all levels, uh, not just with the locker room, but with, you know, with management, with our staff, just being able to stay connected um, with, with everyone to be able to make sure that the same message is being you know, spread across everything that we're doing. I think that's the biggest key that I've taken away and just continue to grow in that regard, just being able to communicate and send the same message and vision that we have for our team so that they understand that as well as the community understands that, that our city understands that, that our, that our organization and the, in the way in which we're growing. 
Jamal Mosley is joining us. Like, you've got such an amazing opportunity and work ahead of you with Orlando. But, you know, you were so good for Dallas. Seems to me Dallas was so good for you. If I could get mm. one quick thought about this, the Mavericks are in the Western Conference Finals. Luke has been an absolute stud. I know you are focused on your own work, but if you had a thought or two, what are your feelings when you see him playing the way he is at the level he is on the stage that he's at right now? First, I cannot tell you how excited I am for that group of young men there and their coaching staff. I think they've done a tremendous, tremendous job of doing what they've done and the guys buying in. Um, those guys there, I think watching Luca play has always been a joy because of the joy in which he plays with. Um, you talk to a lot of people about him not getting sped up and the way in which he plays the game. And I think it's just something special that he has about him and his competitive edge, his competitive nature. But then that group of guys that are around him, they all buy into each other, right? They understand what it is they're supposed to be doing in that moment within that role. And I think that's why they thrive. You talk about Spencer, you talk about Jalen, you talk about, um, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi, Dwight. Those guys all pitch into each piece, and they've understood and establish the roles that they have within that team, and they're okay with it. And that's a great job. You know, for me, that's coaching, and that's those guys buying into who they are. I so appreciate that response, and I also love that part about it. it's a joy to watch him play with the amount of joy he plays with. A great, great night for the Orlando Magic, for their organization, for the coach, for the players, for the fans. They win the lottery and a tremendous opportunity. Jamal, listen, it means the world to me that you would come on the program first thing after a night like that. So thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate the conversation, and I hope we can do it again soon. Thanks so much for it. I hope so, too. I'm so grateful for you having me on. Thank you so much. I really, truly am. Hey, guys, let me ask you something. What are you doing when it comes to skincare? Yeah, that's what I thought. You probably have no routine whatsoever. Bad play. But this is where Tej Hanley comes in. Tej Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. That's your problem. You don't have a plan, but you need one and now you do. As an example, let me recommend to you the Skincare System Level 1. It's the easiest way to get started, and it comes with all the basics that you need to take care of your skin. The products included are a face wash, an exfoliating scrub, an AM moisturizer, and a PM moisturizer. Listen, you may think that you don't need a skincare routine, but you do. Trust me. I know I do. I'm in front of a camera every single day, so I take this seriously. And this plan and this routine work perfectly for me and in my process. But don't take my word for it. Tish Hanley has over 5,000 five-star reviews. 5,000 plus five-star reviews on their website from customers worldwide. And because Tish Hanley is sponsoring today's episode, they are offering you a great deal. Just go to tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. It's an amazing deal. T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. Now it's time for the beef. Now that the niceties are out of the way, now it's time to beef. All beef jerky is not the same, clones. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags, so you can sample different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? 1-800-636-8686. Let's get it. Hey, Rome. My beef is with adult diaper commercials. There used to be a time when I associated those things with my grandma. Now I am being lured in with hot women, sporting them under tight jeans, strutting around all sexy and all. And it's actually working. Jim and Temecula. I know exactly what he's talking about. I know that commercial. Dude, I see you working. I'm not sure what the beef is, but I see you working. I mean, they're smart, right? Normally, you associate adult diapers with super old people that can no longer maintain their bodily functions. Now they're giving you somebody who's young and attractive. Smart. Hey, Rome. In other words, what's your beef, bro? My beef 
is with my sister-in-law. She's going through a divorce, and it becomes my problem since she had to move into my house for the foreseeable future. Listen, sis, it's not my fault you married a D-bag. Now my wife has zero interest in a wrestling match because she's worried that the rent-free house guest might hear something. Thanks for nothing, sis. JC in Northwest Arkansas. War not marrying a bag. It's good beef. That's, that's legit beef right there. Dear Jim, my beef is with my wife's friends and co-workers. Roughly once a month, they all go out for drinks after work. Then the wife comes home nice and toasty and starts giving me the let's make a baby look. Then she sits down on the couch, asks me for a glass of water, and when I get back, she's passed the bleep out. Stop getting my wife too officered to wrestle. Thanks, Paul in Albany. Wore the drunk wife challenging me to a wrestling match. Unwore no drunk wrestling. <laughs> wow. It is spicy and beefy to start. I mean, this isn't peppered. This is hot and spicy. At Johnny Seanut. Jimmy, my beef is with my wife. I, I don't know that we've ever started with so many beefs and wives right off the top. My beef is with my wife, who doesn't realize she needs a multitude of items, a snack, a drink, and so on, until she sees me stand up. I'm just grabbing a bottle of water, not planning a trip to Whole Foods. Jim, I have a beef with Greg Norman. This guy is all but dead and buried, tries to come back and blow up the league he helped create, goes down in flames, and has the audacity to claim that he's a victim in all of this. Hey, Minnow. Take a page from Jack Nicholas, who turned down the 100 mil because he has something called integrity. Chris in Scottsdale. My beef has to do with Luka Doncic. Not because of the media hype. It's that every time he smiles, he flashes those chiclets that are the spawn of Jim Leland and Jewel. Get those things cleaned up. You're on national TV. <laughs> Hashtag Euroteeth? Stephen Green Bay. Alvin, why are you playing that song? Oh, it's Jewel. I know. Hashtag Snaggletooth. At Shaggy Mac. Tense Mac. I got beef with Chalk, who is too young to understand my beef with little Billy Anderson, who used to beat me up in the first grade and steal my lunch money. Billy better hope that he never runs into me in a dark alley. All right. Okay. <laughs> Romy, my beef is with the snobby... At... Sorry about that. Y'all can't be jumping around like that on me. My beef is with these snobby-ass bags who want to complain about every single thing while on vacation. I'm trying to get my drink on while laying by the pool. Stop trying to kill my vibe. Signed, Amber in Portland, but currently in Cabo. Hashtag, War Lady Clones. War Lady Clones. Amber, are you seriously participating in the beef segment from Cabo on vacay? If so, if so, war you. War Lady Clones. That's a commitment right there. And don't you be coming at me or her for saying, are you kidding me? You have nothing better to do than participate in the beef segment? No, she's got beef. She's trying to enjoy her vacation. I see you working, Amber. Hey, Rome. What exactly do you mean, what's my beef? I'd say, but your EP Vlad never freaking sends you mine. Hey, Chalk, go outside and stare directly at the sun, eat a lot of garlic, and have a wooden spike drilled into your chest. Pissed off. <laughs> Pissed off Steve from the Northwest. Easy, Steve-o.
There you go. You got it read. Abram Rome Lincoln. My beef is with my idiotic, immature roommate. This moron thinks it's funny to fart on my pillow. And now I have pink eye? Now every time before I fall asleep, I have to smell my pillow and check for fart. This is his revenge since I wrestled his girlfriend behind his back. Literally. V in the fee. Hey, V, no, you did not. None of that happened. Don't be that guy. Don't do that. V, don't do that. It's the beef segment, man. Don't lie. Jimmy! My beef is with the people who say pantsed when describing the removal of another's pants in a gratuitous manner. It doesn't make any sense. You're an H-O-F wordsmith who is fluent in the English language, and even you disseminate that crap to the masses. Going forward, please use the correct nomenclature of depantsed when mentioning this hilarious yet sometimes embarrassing act. War the understanding of prefixes and suffixes. Best regards, Kenneth E. in the 503. Hey, Kenneth, you ward an understanding that you don't even have. Come on, man. Don't do that. Rome, my beef is with Alvin. The way the so-called genius panicked when you came back from break and didn't show up on the air. Dude had no clue what to do. Why didn't he just go into the John in Seatown tape? That thing is long enough to kill an entire segment. Next time, tell the baby maker not to panic, just to hit the lunch with the monkey, lunch with the monkey button. Yeah, I don't know. Alvin probably was concerned that it was going to be his ass because that's what they do. They cover their own ass. And I'm just sitting here ignoring him. So he crawled in on all fours and said, dude, dude, can you not hear me? I'm like, uh, oh, oh, the red light's on. How long have I been on the air? I don't know, dude, like eight minutes. Rome, my beef is that Alvy spends more time wrestling than working on the smack off promo. Hashtag beef segment. Hashtag what's your beef? It's close. It is close. At M. Curry. We're still waiting on that, Alvy. A- any month now. At MR Curry 2288. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the meth head that rolled under my truck in broad daylight and hacked off my catalytic converter. Get a job, you tweakers. Jimmers. I got hashtag beef with my tattoo artist. Look, you sadist. I don't want to talk politics with you while you are pounding ink into my back. Of course I'm going to agree with every word you say. I don't want a hole through my spine. Signed, Abby. War quiet time. So far, the two best ones have come from the lady clones, Amber and Abby. Hey, Jim, my beef is with meteorologists. What the hell does partly sunny even mean? It's either sunny, partly cloudy, or mostly cloudy. It's always sunny behind the clouds because the sun is in space. The clouds are the problem, not the sun. Keep the sun's name out your mouth. Teddy in Rip City. You know what? I like that. That's your leader in the clubhouse. Darren in Kuna. My beef is with my aunt for dying yesterday. Now the only one left in that generation is mom. Now when she croaks off, it will be my generation's turn to start getting dead. Bro, I hate to say it, but that's good. I'm sorry for your loss, but thank you for sharing. Because soon it will be your and our generation's turn to start getting dead. We're on the clock, yo. Zachary Bullock, I have beef 
with these California Fives moving to Idaho and acting like they are now dimes. They're not. They're fake boobs and bleached buttholes don't cut it here either. All right, we have a new leader in the clubhouse. These California Fives moving to Idaho with their bleached buttholes. Hey, Jim. Bleached. Hey, Jim, my beef is when you say, shut up, Rit, during a rant, and we can't hear what the old codger is saying. Turn his mic on so he's not relegated <laughs> relegated to a bald mime in the back row. Jim in San Clemente. That's the whole point, dude. I'm trying to get him to stop talking. Why would I do that? No one close to you should have to endure that dreaded knock on the door. The knock that comes from a police officer who must tell your loved one that you were killed in a car crash. It's a message that gets even worse when they learn that your death may have been prevented if you had only been wearing your seatbelt. The simple fact is, regardless of what type of car you ride in, seatbelt use is the single most effective way to stay alive in a crash. That's why the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is spreading the word we want to raise the profile of seatbelt safety so we can save lives. So, whether you're going on a cross-country trip or just up the street, please buckle up. Don't risk it. And remember, click it or ticket. Brought to you by NHTSA. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is that round one of the NHL playoffs are already behind us, and we've yet to hear from Kathleen in Omaha. Where the hell is she? Bella B in Calgary. Funny you ask. Why don't we go there right now? Let's go to Omaha. Kathleen, they're asking for you. What is your beef? New York Ranger player who caused Sydney to miss game six has to suffer the consequences. I will make him watch Space Jam 2 every day for a year, and Sydney gets to hit him in the face with a hockey stick until he is uglier than he already is. She's back. Nice job, Kathleen. Way to go. Sydney gets to hit him in the face with a hockey stick until he is uglier than he already is. She's back. The queen of beef. Let's go to Humboldt. Jay in Humboldt. Jay, what's your beef? Hey, Rome. I got beef with these people that wear their clothes so tight you can see every dimple in their ass, a full view of their muffin tops, and a flawless silhouette of their moose knuckle or camel toe. That's my beef. Ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's Don't try Title Town. JD. JD, what's your beef? JD, you're on the air. What's your beef? Oh, yeah, this is a. Uh, no. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Way to be at the call. ready, JD. Hey, JD, what's up? One, one thousand, two, one thousand. Hey, JD, what's your beef? Oh, this, oh. Come on now. Be ready. If you're on hold, we're taking telephone calls. You may be next. Lafayette, Louisiana is our next stop. Charles. Charles, what's your beef? Yeah, yeah, this is Lafayette, Indiana. But- My bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm- ah! That's not a no. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Charles, my guy, I'm sorry, bro. Like, you were right. I was wrong. But Alvin has a rule. And it's not a good rule. And it's not even a rule that makes sense. But the rule is don't correct the host. Even when the host is wrong. That's why you got run, Charles. So if you have beef with me, you have every right to have beef with me. I literally have beef with the rule, but it's Alvin's rule, and he's got my back. You got run for correcting me, even though I was wrong. Alvin's response would be, dude, Indiana, Louisiana, whatever, don't correct the host. 
even if the host was wrong. In other words, you just got to roll with it. My man, I'm sorry. Alvin's not, but I am. We can't walk off on that. Let's go to Oregon. Ryan. Ryan, what's your beef? Romy, my beef is with people who bring their dogs into Home Depot. And I'm not talking about blind people who need them or people who put them in the cart even. I'm talking about Chuck Brohl and doppelgangers who look like extras from Yellowstone who can't control a 50-pound golden. They're freaking out of their minds. No, I hear you, dude. There's a real issue with that. And again, I'm, I'm an animal person. I love animals. But I'm telling you, it's getting worse and worse. I can't go anywhere without losers bringing their dogs with them. I don't mean taking their dog for a walk. And I don't mean things like, hey, let's go to the beach with Rover. I mean, they're taking their dogs with them everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And, 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 and. If you're somebody who needs the animal, legitimately, that's different. That's different. I'm talking about you just want to bring your dog with you wherever you go. Let's go to, I I forgot to start the beef segment with my own beef. Why don't we go to NoCal, Kevin, in NoCal. Kevin, what's your beef? My beef is with DoorDash customers who think it's okay not to tip because they leave a bottle of water on the porch for us and a note that says, thank you, drivers, for your services. Just give me my five bucks, Tiger. Uh, Respect. I agree with you. You know where I come out on that, especially people in the service industry that make their money in large part based on tips. They're paid a lower base because the thinking is they will be compensated by tips. This guy's saying, hey, yo, leaving a bottle of water on the porch and saying thank you for your service is not enough. Give me my five bucks. I think that's a legitimate beef. But I'm somebody who tips well because I don't want to be glossed, no tipping, pipping. I don't want the Matt Kutcher treatment. I don't want somebody calling up the beef segment and complaining about me being a cheapskate and not tipping. Way to work in the use of Tiger as well. One more before I go to break. We go to Lyndon. Ken, you're going to wrap it up for me. Ken, what's your beef? Hey, Romy. My beef is uh, I'm a truck driver, and every day I go out to the terminal and load my truck, and there's this old guy there that says, are we having fun yet? No, we're not having fun. We're working. Fair enough, bro. I see you working. No, we're not having fun yet. It's work. I'm driving a truck, dude. It's not fun. It's work. I'm paying the bills. I'm punching the clock. No, we're not having fun, especially when you keep asking me, are we having fun yet? No. We'll start having fun when you stop asking me that question, old man. That was fun, though. The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400 HP Nissan Z. Or, for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person, then hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And, for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 RNZ not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. We are joined by Patrick Queen. Patrick, what's going on? Good to have you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Appreciate you for having me. It's good to have you. So, listen, let me ask you about the off season because it's your first real off season since before your second season was impacted by COVID. Like, so it's the first legit off season. What's it been like, and how did you approach it? Uh, it's been better, uh, just actually able to, like, being going through two seasons and seeing how the best handle their off seasons and just knowing where I want my body at, when I want when I want to be at that point, and just, you know, actually being able to work out places and work out with people and have a group of people with you and stuff. So it's, it's definitely been different, and just being able to just, like, you know, travel. So it's been good. All right, so listen, one of the key things here, you just said it, I've been able to work out different places, different people. I bring that up because I know you've done some fishing in the off-season. Follow me on this. There's a reason I'm going to bring this up. First of all, how's that been going? What are you catching, and how pleased are you with the results? <laughs> Largemouth, uh, down in Louisiana, uh, just 
been fishing a large mouth. It's been pretty successful. It started off a little slow, and then uh, the weather we've been getting has been crazy. It's been raining a day, no rain the next day, raining a day. So it's been on and off, but when they're on, they're on. So I, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Patrick Queen joining us. All right, the reason I bring that up is because somebody hit you with this tweet. Quote, kind of sad an NFL linebacker. Favorite thing to do is fish and sleep. SMH. Never see training vids or football. Never. End of quote. I got to ask you, man, what's your reaction when you see a tweet like that? Like, how weird is it that if you don't post training videos, people assume that you are not training? <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I just, I really don't, I really don't always reply to uh, people. Sometimes I do every now and then just, just to spark up a little conversation or whatever. But um, it's crazy because, like, the reason why I don't post, post workouts, I post nothing that I do is because, like, I really don't have to. Like, I do that every day of my life. I always did it every day of my life growing up. So there's no need for me to post it like I used to. So. Uh, just now everything you see with social media is not posting workouts or anything unless it's like an endorsement deal. Everything you see now is how people live their lives outside of the sport that they play. So. All right, so I like that. I respect that. Like people, there are a lot of people that, like you said, there are endorsement deals or they want you to know that they're getting their lift in. How do you approach it then overall with social media? Like do you do it because you like it and it's fun? Do you do it like it's part of the job? How are you approaching the social media aspect of your life? Uh, I'm not like I'm not head over heels about it, but I, at the same time I do enjoy it. Like um, I'm not just gonna sit on sit on it all day or anything. It's just you know if I have time for it, I'll do it and stuff. And uh, basically with the endorsement thing, like everybody you know that plays football really got endorsements and stuff. So uh, when you're doing those deals, it'd be like I don't like doing this or I like doing this, and you could you know vary what you want to do when it, when those deals come. So like if, like for instance like. I like to post fishing, so I might get a fishing endorsement or something, and I could post that all day, which why people will probably take that uh, look at it. I like that, man. It's because you got a passion for that, of course. Patrick Queen joining us. All right, so you've done a lot of self-scouting since the season ended. I know this. What did you take away from studying filming yourself? What did you see that you liked, and what did you see that you wanted to improve upon? Uh, it's just everything that I've been looking at was small things, just maybe uh, – when I'm going to attack a lineman using one hand instead of two and keeping them off of me, or just when I'm going in for a tackle, one more step will help, or just maybe being a step over and in a gap might help me make a play on a pass. Once I drop, I'll be a, a, a step close to a pick. So it's just, everything's as small. There's nothing really major in my game that i got to clean up. It's all small things that lead to major things. Talking to Patrick Queen. So, you know, talking to countless Ravens over the years, I know that there's a certain kind of Raven way or a Raven mentality, and that's that you're going to come battle no matter what, no matter who's on the field or what. But you were one of four offensive or defensive starters in a season opener who played all 17 games last year. That team was busted up, really banged up. There were a lot of guys dealing with a lot of different injuries. What was it like to go through that season last year and see so many guys go down? Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, usually in college you see teams like that that get a lot of players hurt, but never in the league. And just to see all that last year and just knowing that we were so close. We were 8-3 at one point, and then we lost six in a row. So just knowing that we were that close to being a playoff team, and then with all those losses, we were still having a chance to make it in the playoffs. So that just gives you a look at if our team was healthy. Uh, there's always a lot of if fans of us, but that's an extreme if fan. Uh, I think everybody knows that they just don't want to get us the credit for that. Hey, listen, I mean, there's this, like this next man up mentality, right? But you said it yourself. There's there's only one Marcus Peters. There's only one Marlon Humphrey. How difficult is it to next man up guys like that? Correct. And, like, that's like um, not taking away nothing from the other guys. Like, they go out there, they probably do their thing. But it's just different. Like, that's a generational talent. Marcus Peters and Marlon generational talent that you will never find again. Like I said, both of those are very good players. But both of them are very different players. So that's what I mean by, like, you can't replace those guys. Like, Marlon is an aggressive guy. Marcus is, like, a scheming guy. So uh, just missing those two guys was a big a big key that we missed last year. But hopefully getting those guys back this year healthy uh, early on will be an extreme plus for us. We're talking to Patrick Queen. So looking around the league, when I talk to guys, it's kind of interesting to hear them talk about what they're looking for when the schedule is first dropped. Like some guys are looking for cold weather games. Other guys are looking to see whether or not they're going to get some primetime games. What do you first look for when you see the new schedule? I really don't. I, I don't be looking at it like waiting on a good job. But when it job, I'll be excited just to see everybody going to be playing. This year, I was excited because I know we put, go back to New Orleans and get to play the play. So I'm definitely excited for that one and uh, the Tampa game. All right, that makes sense. What about week five? 
you're at home against Cincinnati, yeah, and then you close out them, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you close out the regular season at their place. You and Joe Burrow were teammates at LSU. You put up some numbers against you, or he put up some numbers against you guys last year. How are you feeling about seeing him again, and how much are you looking forward to getting some revenge? I'm excited to see him again. Uh, you know, Joe's a, a fierce competitor, and he got that swag about him that people don't like when you're on the opposite side of the ball of him. So uh, it's definitely a game I'm looking forward to. Definitely a get-back game. Definitely one that we got to come in and be on all, all, all fired on all penalties. I got to ask you one more thing about social media. It can be a tough place, but one of the best ongoing battles on Twitter is between you and Marlon. You called him out for not liking breakfast. I brought that up to him when he was on the show in February. He doubled down saying that breakfast is, quote, the most overrated meal of all time, and he'd rather just go lunch, lunch, dinner, or dinner, lunch, dinner, and then saying that he could have a burger at 8 a.m. Like, great dude, great player, great teammate, great personality, but what do you make of some of his takes? The food takes got to go. I, I would listen to Marlon on a lot of things in life, but food is not one. Uh, like like you just said, he don't like breakfast. Like he says, the most overrated thing. And I don't possibly see how a guy of Marlon caliber, caliber don't eat breakfast in the morning. Like how do you go out and play a game if you don't eat breakfast? You got to eat something that's going to fill you up. You can't eat a burger and go play a game. You can't do it. So, <laughs> I don't know where he get his food taste from. I'm going to let him have that. Patrick Quinn joining us. He can, man. Apparently he does. He's running on a different kind of fuel. Now, yesterday you tweeted, quote, any toy poodles for sale. Immediately he was coming at you and saying, quote, <laughs> you might as well get a teddy bear if you're going to get that dog, bro. End of quote. Like, he seems like he's got takes on everything. It, again, great dude, great teammate, great player. But is he now officially the biggest troll on Twitter? He is, and the crazy part about that, he's going to say no to that, but he has a whole white cat, like a fluffy cat, and then he shaved the cat bald. So uh, Marlon just a weird dude. He's his own individual. Uh, yeah, Outside the facility, I might not hang out with Marlon no more after those takes. So. He's just a weird dude. We're talking to Patrick Queen. So as long as we're talking about food, you're from Louisiana, of course. What are your thoughts on seafood in Baltimore? How does it measure up? It's not even close to Louisiana food. Not even close. But they, they, there's not horrible. It's not like other places I've been where the food wasn't good. But it's definitely not Louisiana food. They just, I don't know. I guess we just take our time with the preparation of our seafood and things that we know how to season very well. And it's just not the same. I, I got to say, no I've never. It, the I food... know they got the crab cakes and all. So no disrespect to them on the crab cakes. The crab cakes are actually good. It's just not, I'd rather have like crawfish or something over crab cakes. Okay, that's that's a, actually a very interesting qualification because the crab cakes obviously are famous and they're great there, but I see what you're saying. Listen, Saturday you're going to host your Level Up Camp. Where exactly is the camp going to be and who is it for? Uh, the camp is going to be in my hometown uh, where I grew up at, where I played football at, at Livonia High School. It's going to be this Saturday starting at 8 a.m. Uh, it's for all kids. Seven and older, seven and uh, up to eighteen to be able to come through. Seven and up to sixteen, I'm sorry, to come through and be able to uh, learn some things and just have fun. All right, so it's at Livonia High School, and there's going to be nearly 300 kids. What do you want the kids to take away from the experience? Uh, just to just to appreciate the small things in life, like just like growing up, I didn't have anybody camp that I could go to that was famous, uh, not even famous, just like somebody that <clears throat> is a professional football player and just. Being able to see to see those guys up close and personal, and just be able to take some take away some of the things that they're gonna show or talk about. So, uh, just hopefully, if I could just you know impact one kid and have him, you know, think about what we did at that camp every day in his life. Yeah, I, did a, I did a good job. Good for you, man. So, if they want to take part or if they want to participate, how do they do so? Uh, you could just go in my bio on Instagram. I have a link in my bio. You could go to the link, sign up, and. You know, uh, we'll take care of everything from there. I've been trying to get to this, but I do want to talk about the L.A. Lakers. They have been without a head coach now for over a month. And from the sounds of it, I'm not sure they are ever going to have a head coach ever again. Because evidently, the brain trust in El Segundo up the way, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, is asking prospective candidates to fix the unfixable. No, they are not asking prospective candidates to fix Space Jam 2. LeBron already burned that franchise to the ground. There is no fixing or rebuilding that. That's like down to the core mineral. You can't rebuild that. 
You can't fix that. That would be the most impossible task ever. However, the one that they are asking for is pretty damn close. The Lakers reportedly are asking prospective coaching candidates to wait for this. Wait a little longer. They're asking prospective coaching candidates how they plan to use or how they would use Russell Westbrook. Like on the court. Like how they would use him. (laughs) According to Sam Amick. My man wrote a piece for The Athletic. And the Laker brass is literally looking people dead in the eye and asking that very question. Literally. Like, how would you use Russell Westbrook? Sam wrote, quote, Despite the widely held belief that the Lakers would find a way to trade Westbrook before the start of next season, sources say their coaching candidates have been asked to discuss how they would use him in their system during interviews. The takeaway for candidates, it seems, is that maximizing Westbrook's presence after his disastrous 2021-2022 season is considered an important part of this job. End of quote. Uh, Okay. I mean, how many of these cats who have been interviewed got to that part of the interview and were asked, and by the way, how would you use Russell Westbrook? How many of them just went Garrett Cole with their answer when asked that question? Have you ever used spider attack while pitching? Um, Hold on, Avi, Avi. Take out that first part and let me phrase the question. Like, they're going along, candidate, question, 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 question. Hey, how about this? How would you use Russell Westbrook? Um, I don't, I don't know. I I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about I the mean, definition of a blind side, there if there ever was one. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, you, you mean other than sitting him on the bench? Wait, you want me to have him on the court playing with the other guys on the team? I mean, for real. Can you imagine these candidates coming home after the interview and explaining to their significant others what they were asked to do. Like, guaranteed, they they think it's a big deal, right? Going in to interview for the Laker job. They come home. Their significant other's like, hey, hey, how'd it go? How'd it go? Oh, you will not believe where they took that interview. You will not believe what they asked me. You will not believe where they went. Wait, what? What? What happened? What happened? I, I don't even know if I can talk about it. No, what happened? What did they ask you? All right, you want to know? Yes. What did they ask you? They asked me how I can use West Brick. (laughs) West Brick. I mean, I wonder if any of these dudes just MJ'd that question and got up and walked out right there on the spot. I would. (laughs) I mean, why stop there? Why don't you ask them how they can achieve world peace while you're at it? Laker brass. How do we best combat climate change? And Laker fan, if the team is asking that question, you know what that means, right? That means they're stuck with Westbrook for another year. What makes me think so, you ask? One, they're asking all their candidates, what would you do with him? How would you use him? And I'll give you 47 million other reasons why they're stuck with Westbrook another year. Now, would they like to move him? Hell yes, they would like to move him. Have they tried to move him? Hell yes, they've tried to move him. But I'm pretty sure that no team is going to take on that $47 million contract without getting some additional compensation, something your team does not have. Hence, they're asking prospective coaching candidates what they would do with Dub Brick. As if any of the people they were talking to would have an answer to that question. I mean, in effect, they're already saying, we don't know. We don't know. What would you do? That's why you're here. We don't know the answer to that. 
I actually have a question of my own. Which one of Genie Bus's 15 BFFs came up with that question? Philip? Irv? Lowe? The Rambi? Clutch Sports? Better yet, instead of asking prospective coaches, why aren't they asking the GM and street clothes? Why aren't they asking them the question? They're the ones that brought him in. And believe me, the GM's got time. He's not making movies that make my kids vomit. He's just answering Twitter Q&As about playing longer, joking with that nerd TB45, and talking about how he wants to play with Brawny. He's got time. So the list of candidates reportedly include, according to Sam Amick's report, and if Sam says so, I know it's true. They include Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, Mark Jackson. A hero is more than a sandwich. The hero is more than a sandwich. I, never mind what do you do with Westbrook. I would give Jax that Westbrook. job based on that line again. Or alone. Darvin Ham's getting a lot of run. You know, it's a big Terry Stotts house. Terry? I, I would, Terry? I would Terry? love to know how Tara answered that question. Terry? Terry Stotts is a good coach. But even he is not a good enough coach to have a good answer to that question. Terry? I wonder if Terry... Terry embraced his inner HBO winning time angry logo when asked about how to use Westbrook and launched a Larry O through the office door and just started cussing at everybody. That's a joke. Terry, real logo. Relax. Don't take me to the Supreme Court. Maybe they should hire the angry logo actor dude as their next coach. I mean, they're not going to win no matter who's coaching that team. We might as well make the upcoming season as entertaining as possible. And believe me, that dude's the best. That dude is the best. I mean, come on, Lakers. Do better. At least ask questions that are relevant. At least ask questions that there are legitimate answers to. Like, if we lose Malik Monk, who are we going to use as our social media fall guy? And it can't be the stars who brought us Westbrook. Westbrook. In the GM or street clothes. They're not having that. That will not go well with them. They're too sensitive. Instead of wasting all this time crying about winning time, which is a great show, maybe spend a little more time worrying about the worst show, the current Lake show. And if you do somehow find somebody who can successfully answer the question of how to use Westbrook, Westbrook. immediately put them on how to split the atom, end world hunger, Solve California's drought issues, lower gas prices, kill all the roaches in my studio, figure out my studio thermostat. Oh, and most importantly, come up with a pill for people who wrestle with somebody who attained the HIV. That's not mine. That's Mark in Chicago's. And in no way do I endorse or condone that sort of imbecility. Or maybe it's for that pill. You know that pill that, that people take before they wrestle with someone who's attained the HIV? I mean, what kind of drug is that anyway? I, That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. I mean, that, that dude called this show and just delivered that with a straight face. Um... Good night now!